Well, I'm starting a day later than I thought. Um, I had posted something on Instagram on my faith account about Babylon. And that was the next subject that I had turned to after I went through the whole book, the Gospel of John. And when I went through Babylon, um, I opened up actually to the book of Jeremiah. And from reading the Bible in the past, I know that many of the prophets talk about the same things. And also uh, the book of Revelation uh, in the New Testament talks a lot about the things that were in the Old Testament that were written by the prophets. So I found a, a few verses um, and I posted the just different statements. So uh, on the post that I made on Instagram, I was looking at Jeremiah chapter 50 and Isaiah chapter 46 and Revelation chapter 17. And there's a lot of similarities. One thing that I've learned is that in the Bible, you can, when you cross-reference a lot of different books, you can actually learn and put that information together, which helps you understand the concept better of what's happening. As far as Babylon goes, I don't know that I'm going to help that much, but I do have a study book. So I think I'm going to read some of that. Um, I did look into it. That's why I'm kind of two days after I said I was going to post it at night because I started reading these things and I, I just thought, uh, there's way too much here. I'm not going to be able to do this in one night. So we'll just start. Um, I'll start with the first one. I'll start with Isaiah, even though I started with Jeremiah when I turned the book, but Isaiah was written first. So it always helps to kind of get an idea of when things were written. So Isaiah wrote maybe let's just use round, easy numbers, like a hundred years before, Jer before Jeremiah, when the destruction of the first temple occurred. And if we look at Babylon and what the, the main thing about Babylon, I guess, was written in Isaiah, and it had to do with the, the people that were there and how they were and what they were doing at the time. So Babylon was, um, here's another thing that's very helpful when you're studying a lot of these books is if you sometimes look at where are the cities that, what they're named today, because some of the old cities, you don't even know where they are and it doesn't make any sense. And when they talk about somebody coming from the east or the north or the south or whatever, you have no concept in the real world of where that is. So Babylon um, is modern day Iraq. So that's where it was located. But Babylon doesn't necessarily exist today, but it is where present day Iraq is located. And uh, throughout my study Bible, I, I just write in there whenever I see all the different names, um, the old names to the new names, because it does help me comprehend a lot better. And then you have to throw in all the symbolism and the metaphoric language that's used in it. It does get complicated. So anyway, getting back to Isaiah, um, Isaiah first talks about Babylon. And, and this was kind of interesting because it was 100 years before. And uh, the when the very first temple was destroyed, uh, that was um, by Nebuchadnezzar in about 
586 BC, and that was during Jeremiah's time. And so 100 years before that, Isaiah is talking about Babylon, and he's predicting there's going to be some things that are happening. And so he starts out by um, evidently in Babylon, there was a lot of people that were worshiping other gods. So um, here's a little excerpt from the study Bible, like who were Bel and Nebo? These are two, these are the um, gods of Babylon. Um, they were the gods of Babylon. Bel means Lord and referred to Marduk, the chief god of the of Babylon. Nebo, sometimes called Nabu, was Maduk's son, honored in the names of Babylonian kings. Example, Nebuchadnezzar. Here, the prophet may have been seeing a procession of Babylonian refugees, refugees being taken into captivity by the conquering Persians because their idols were unable to save them. It, someone um, was doing a study about and all these different gods that were being that had been worshipped in history and i don't know anything about all the different gods that had been worshipped in the past but um this person who had done a study on that was tying these other gods to the fallen angels and whether or not that's true i'm not sure but um it's very interesting that you know the fallen angels um are talked about in the bible that there were angels who rebelled and kind of lined up with Satan and um, were banished from heaven. And um, there was also like in the book of Enoch, it talks about um, sons of God who um, lusted after women and actually um, procreated with women here and had these strange offspring that they called Nephilim. And in the book of Enoch, it talks about these beings actually giving information to the human race, um, you know, like astrology and that kind of stuff. And the Bible always talks about how astrology is something that God forbids. And um, so it's kind of interesting to follow on that same line of thinking, if these were fallen angels and they came here and they interacted with people and they weren't supposed to do that, but they did that and they brought about astrology and all these other things um, or some of the knowledge that they had from God, from being in the presence of God, and then they shared it with people, humans, and they weren't supposed to do that, but that's what happened and that's how it has evolved and survived here but all of these people who separated, not the people, all of the um, beings that separated from God, they wanted to be like God or be better than God or rebel against God or not have God as their king. They wanted to be glorified and worshiped the same way that God was. And so all this kind of makes sense when you kind of have the big picture about this falling out that happened in heaven and then these beings getting active here on earth and there's a sense of evil in it and how God forbades everyone to, you know, worship anything else because anything else um, 
is you know, below God. I mean, God is the ultimate. So it's more or less just trying to inform us of things that we don't know because we are not a part of that supernatural world. But the Bible is kind of like a guidebook or a travel guide. And it gives us information about what has happened. And uh, when we finally understand that, yeah, I think people become more enlightened and they understand they, they are no longer spiritually blind by not having any idea or not seeing the connection in the real world. Um, when I say the real world, the earth world, um, compared to the supernatural world that we don't know a lot about, but does influence our daily lives. And we don't even understand that until we comprehend that from reading the Bible. That's the only, I hope that makes sense, but it's just, it's very, very interesting to say the least. I mean, I, I had no idea the Bible was like it is. And so it's, it's been very eye-opening to me, but uh, getting back to Isaiah and what he says about Babylon, um, one of the things also in the study guide, it says, uh, what kind of sorcerers, spells, and astrology could be found in Babylon? Um, many ancient writers refer to Babylon as a source of the magic arts. Using various charms and ritual incantations, sorcerers sought to manipulate the spirit world for their own benefit. Astrologers charted the stars and advised kings. Daniel, with God at his, as his source of knowledge, was added to the ranks of Babylonian astrologers. The Magi who visited Jesus may have been heirs of this tradition. So that's even, that's from the study Bible or the study guide on this. And it's really, you know, says that same thing that, um, one thing we can we can know um, and we can see that the truth is represented here. Uh, we know that if um, sin is centered around selfishness, right? And God is love and love is selfless. It's the opposite of sin. So you have good and you have evil. So evil is selfish and good is selfless. And you look at what they were talking about with the, the people who, um, the astrologers and so forth, um, the sorcerers sought to manipulate the spirit world for their own benefit. That's selfishness. So that's sin and that's against God. So all of this makes sense. I mean, it's just amazing how the Bible really makes sense of all of this. Um, it explains it all. And then it also in Isaiah, a little bit later on, it tells us in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 20, it says, leave Babylon, flee from the Babylonians, announce this with shouts of joy and proclaim it, send it to the ends of the earth. I think there's a little bit more to this. Of course, Babylon was a place and a time, but when we read the the Bible and it talks about Babylon, yes, it does mean a specific past place, but 
when you read the text, you can also see it also means a future place. And it's not necessarily the same. I, that's what I was trying to figure out. Well, where is Babylon, really? I mean, there physically was a place called Babylon that no longer exists that is in modern-day Iraq, but it was destroyed. And it's kind of interesting because the Babylonians were the first, they destroyed the first temple. And so that is, it's, you know, it's, must have been like the number one against God group of people that started it all under Nebuchadnezzar. It was in 586 BC. And then uh, like the second temple was destroyed by the Romans. And that's kind of interesting too. And so um, I guess I'm going to get into Jeremiah where we talked about that was during his time that the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, um, the first temple. And in the book of Jeremiah, it also says very similar things. Um, actually, there's something else that I wanted to talk about in the book of Jeremiah that I noticed recently too, uh, which is a couple different things. Let me just jump to that because I actually see it right now. I'm trying to find the part about Babylon. But um, if you go to Jeremiah 50... And you, let's see, it's verse 38. Um, you might have to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read the verse. And I'm going to also point something out. It says, a drought on her waters, they will dry up. Now, you have to read the whole entire paragraph to understand what this is talking about. But this is talking about um, Babylon. It's all prior to this is talking about Babylon, which is in Iraq. And th this is interesting because um, her waters of Babylon, if you're talking about Iraq, are the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Those were the main river systems. And if you look in Revelation 16, again, cross-referencing verse 12, it talks about the Euphrates again. There's multiple references to the Euphrates River drying up at a future point. Um, you will also go to Jeremiah 51 and again read it on verse 36. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. See, I will defend your cause and avenge you. I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry. Babylon will be a heap of rooms, a haunt of jackals, an object of horror and scorn, a place where no one lives. Her people all roar like young lions, and it goes on. But the point is, I will dry up her sea. Again, this is another reference to the Euphrates River. And then I want to go to um, Revelation that chapter that I was talking about in Revelation, because that's where it talks about also drying up the, the river. And here's the, here's the reason why that's kind of significant. Go ahead and Google search Euphrates River. Look at what, what's been in the news for the last, just recently, I guess, I don't know what time period, because I looked at it. And that was a little shocking when I saw that, because I was kind of looking through all of these prophetic books and seeing what things 
were predicted and what things are happening. And um, it's, it is confusing at times to know, did this already happen or is this something in the future that will happen? And it's just kind of weird because I don't really know that the Euphrates River has dried up before, but um, the Euphrates River is the one that will dry up before this Armageddon because the, the people who are going to be fighting against Jesus will be walking across that area. So um, it's a slow process, but it's really kind of interesting to see this in prophecy and then see in real life what is, when I say real life, I, I, I don't know why I say that, but I'm just saying like when you see in our day-to-day -day news that's happening, um, just rather interesting to pay attention to. Now I'm losing my spot here um, about this, but um, I guess we were talking about in Jeremiah, um, there's a lot of things that tie back into Revelation um, in Babylon, uh, the people of Judah, for Judah is the Palestine area. And, um, and it talks about like a message about Babylon that's in Jeremiah 50. And they again talk about the different gods in here that they would be put to shame. And then it talks about, um, this is interesting too, because like the people of Israel and the people of Judah together um, will go to seek the Lord their God. And it's talking about a unification of the people. And the people of Judah, if you look that up today, that's Palestine. So this is, in my opinion, from reading this, it's like this is talking about the millennium when Jesus rules, when there is peace. And that's when peace is predicted, um, are prophesied when Jesus returns. And it's interesting because this is back in the book of Jeremiah. That's it written BC, almost 600 years BC. So that's um, kind of interesting to pay attention to. I know I use that word too much, but um, then there's things about um, Southeast Turkey, northern Iraq, again, looking up these different cities, finding out where they were before, where they are today. Um, they're talking about Palestine, northwestern Jordan, um, Syria. There is, um, in Jeremiah 50, they, he also, God also talks about, um, for I will forgive the remnant I spare. If you go to the book of Revelation, it talks about 144,000 Jewish people that were spared, 12,000 from each tribe. So the remnant is being talked about in Jeremiah, which is about 600 years before Christ. So that's um, pretty long time before anything came about. And we're talking about into the future, something we haven't yet even seen ourselves. Um, it also talks about in Jeremiah 50, the hammer of the whole earth. So this is just not talking about a specific area of the world. It's talking about the entire world. And it talks about God's wrath um, relating back to Revelation 16. Um, it gives the reason for all this. Um, for she, referring to Babylon, has defied the Lord. And so it's all about um, worship and going against God and even 
I guess to another degree, maybe atheism also, I mean, where there is no God. And um, that's something that is um, the, some, that's like going against the number one commandment, um, the greatest commandment and um, something that God is going to punish in the future. And it we're being warned about it in the Bible. So anybody who doesn't look into the Bible and familiarize yourself with it and you automatically just um, take up a belief that someone else has told you, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should really look into the Bible, see for yourself, because there is all kinds of answers and prophecies about what's happening in this world today. And if you don't look at this, you're not going to know what's going on because it's all predicted. It's all told. And it's just a matter of we don't know exactly when this is all going to unfold, but it's um, definitely falling in line with things that are happening today. And that was really concerning when I first made that uh, connection. But I definitely see it in here. Um, the future <clears throat> Babylon is talked about. It's going to be um, burned down is really what's going to happen. There's going to be a fire that people are going to see from everywhere. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who will see this. This is going to be something substantial, but that's at the very end of time. So I don't even, you know, who knows if we will see it or if we won't see it. But um, it does talk about this Babylon. That's how it's going to go away. It's going to be a fire. I mean, even like the mountains are going to be flattened, everything. So it's um, something that you can learn in the Bible. Um, I wish I was a little bit better prepared for this. So sorry about this. But um, here's another thing in Jeremiah 51 on Jeremiah 51, verse 13, it says, you who live by many waters and are rich in treasures, your end has come, the time for you to be destroyed. It really seems a lot like Revelation 17. And there's another one too, another verse that is in Jeremiah 51, and that's verse 7. And it says, Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand. She made the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, they have now gone mad. Babylon will suddenly fall and be broken. Same things written about in Revelation 17. So there is, um, then there's another verse in Jeremiah 51, and it's verse 45, and it says, Come out of her, my people. Um, this is about Babylon. And this is also written in Revelation 18, verse 4. It's also written in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 7, and it's also written in Isaiah 48, verse 24. So there's it's just repeated over and over and over again, and you find a lot of that in the Bible. Like history repeats itself too, and that's another thing you find in the Bible. Um, but then you get back, now I'm on Revelation, and I'm in chapter 17, which is really kind of crazy. And there's a lot of um, symbolism here, but it's all explained. So it's not that I'm interpreting what it's saying. The Bible actually tells us what these things are. So here's here are my notes from what Babylon is. 
Babylon, um, it's a city that's on seven hills. It's international global trade. It's been known to persecute Christians. It's against God. It will be powered by Satan, basically. Uh, it will, let's see, there, I, there is some antichrist that will be connected to it, but will only serve for a little while. And I'm thinking that maybe that could be that three and a half years that um, Daniel, the book of Daniel talks about. Then there's these, um, the 10 horns are 10 leaders that are aligned for a short period of time. They, they're given power again on behalf of Satan. Um, but those are all of the details that we can find out from the from Revelation. So I'm going to read something from the, the study guide, which is really interesting. It's like, can these events be linked in an understandable way to history? And this is covering Revelation 17 verses, verses 9 through 14. The symbolism of these verses is difficult. One view links these kings to Roman emperors. Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, and Nero are the five who have fallen. Vespasian is the one who is, and Titus is the other who has not yet come. That's what another view sees these kings as nations. Those from the past are Old Babylon, Assyria, New Babylon, the Medo Persia, or the Greco Macedonia. The one from the present is Rome, and the one from the future is another kingdom or a series of kingdoms that sets itself against the kingdom of God, possibly the kingdom of the Antichrist. So if you hear people talking about the Antichrist and everything, it's all from Revelation. Um, not all, actually, it's from the book of Daniel, too. But the, there's a lot of information in this chapter 17, but it also explains, and, and the the words I used and the descriptions that I used were all symbols that were explained within that same chapter. So those are the only things that we can say are absolute because that's from the Bible. The rest of it, we maybe make interpretations on this. Um, the one thing that I do hear often is that um, <clears throat> Rome is considered the city on seven hills. And so Babylon is a city and the, the Babylon of the New Testament is referred in several different opinions. Some say it could be Rome because um, Rome is on seven hills and, you know, it's international, global. Um, there was a period of time, obviously, in history where the Romans persecuted the Christians. So that could tie in we don't really know and we won't know until um, a certain point in time when um, the Antichrist reveals himself, because that's, again, if the book of J Daniel tells us that there will be a point in time when um, this person claims to be God and, and there's all sorts of works and miracles this person will do to, um, to convince people or to deceive them really is what it's about. So there's a whole lot here, but I've talked a lot longer than I intended to. But the point being, get into the Bible and look at the prophets and Revelation, and there's so much overlap, and you will 
learn more than if you don't open the book at all. But it definitely has a lot that we can learn from and does impact our lives today. I think it's worthwhile to study it and pray to God when you're studying it that this gets revealed to you that you can understand this, um, understand what's what's being talked about in here. And the more you read it, all of a sudden some things will start clicking. You'll all of a sudden start grasping things. Um, I'm doing that, but I still do not have all of this <laughs> grasped yet. There's still a lot more to learn, but it definitely keeps it interesting. So this is it. I am um, going to end this one and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye.